0: I want to jump into the, to the message today. Um, you know, if you haven't been here the last few weeks, uh, we're, we're in the middle of the series we're calling Kingdom Heroes. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at different heroes in Scripture that were really kingdom heroes. They were living beyond themselves. And so we looked at Noah, we looked at Abraham, uh, who, who else did we look at? I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. Today we're looking at Moses. Is that it? Thanks, Liz. I appreciate that. She's helped me out here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's one, two, three. We're we're at three right here. So my question to start off today, have you ever spent a lot of time and effort setting up something only to see someone else enjoy the fruit of it? You ever done that? I mean, you've ever really, I mean, you just put a lot of effort into it. You put a lot of energy into it. You, I mean, you just kind of, you're like, man, I'm going for it. And kind of maybe even thought it was for you all along. And then you get to the end of it, you realize, man, it wasn't even for me. It was for somebody else. You know? I was thinking about it in my, in my life. Um, years ago, I mean, we're talking 25 years ago, I had this itch inside of me to build my own house. I mean, guys, you ever had that itch? Okay, just me. All right. <laughs> It was more, maybe it was a disease. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> um, and so I had this itch, disease thing that I wanted to build my own house. I had a background. I would worked in construction and kind of helped pay for church planting that way and, and different. And I just want, I man, I, I just want to do this. And, and so I finally, I, I, we got to a place where we could afford to buy a piece of property. And it was up in North Omaha on the north side. And we laid out the plans, and, you know, we, we, I was the general contractor, and we did all this work. And every time I had free time, you know, I mean, so I was full-time pastor, full-time house builder, right? Crazy, right? Somebody should, somebody should have told me, don't do that. But I was working my tail off, and it took me six months, I mean, to single-handedly build a house. I mean, you know, just giving it my all, working every free time I could do, just going for it. Well, about four months into it, the Lord started dealing with me. He said, you're, you're not going to be here very long. I'm like, this is my house. <laughs> I built this. I mean, I got sweat. I got blood. I got tears in this place. I mean, come on. You know." And the Lord started dealing with me about transition in my life. And I told Jennifer, I said, I don't think we're going to live in this house very long. Matter of fact, I don't even know if we'll ever get to live in it at all. And she's like, what? I said, yeah, I, I think God's kind of setting us up for whatever's next. And she's like, man, you know, we're picking colors. We got, you know, we got all this kind of stuff and doing all the kind. And sure enough, got, got the house done, moved in it, and uh, the Lord just started dealing with both of us. It's time. Within, within four months, we had sold the house and moved to Lincoln. I mean, we're like, man, Lord. But here's what was cool about it, is that God took that opportunity, and we made some money off of it, and it kind of catapulted us into the next area of ministry for our lives. You know, but boy, when you're building something, and you're putting all of your energy into it to let somebody else enjoy it. I mean, so basically, I built a brand new house for somebody else. They still live here in that house today. Every once in a while, I drive by just to see what they're doing with it. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, this idea of building something for somebody else is huge in the kingdom. It really is. And here's another way maybe to ask this question. Have you ever done something significant for someone else, um, done something significant and someone else received the credit for it? Or they took the credit? Maybe, Maybe that's more the story that you've experienced. So kingdom heroes, though, here's the thing. They do that on purpose. They actually do that on purpose. They actually build something for somebody else. That's what kingdom heroes do. They set it setting up setting it up for someone else to enjoy the fruit. And so there's this series, that's what we're looking. We're looking at kingdom heroes and how their lives have set it up, so to speak, and inspired and challenged us, uh, and inspire and challenge us to become modern-day kingdom heroes. So that's what we're talking about. A couple key texts, real quickly. Uh, keep coming back to them every week. Hopefully they get seeded within our hearts. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, Paul wrote this, and he was a kingdom hero. He wrote, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God, but God has been making it grow. Very important verse in this whole idea of kingdom hero, dumb. I don't know if I, you know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, I said, bad English sometimes makes for great emphasis. I'm really good at that. So, so when we understand this verse, we, we begin to understand our role in God's plan, and we can begin to take pride. Check this out. Notice, I planted, I watered, but God, we can begin to take pride in the fact that we were used of God to set up a miracle move of God for somebody else. That's a great thing to be a part of if you haven't ever experienced that. So here's the other verse. is from Jesus, John 14, verse 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, uh, whoever's for everybody, including everybody in this room, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Now, you have to just kind of ponder that for a second. We're talking about healings. We're talking about seeing lives transformed, uh, demon-possessed people being set free, lepers being healed, I mean, even raising the dead. I mean, we're talking some crazy stuff that he's referring to here. He says in me will do the works i have been doing and they will do even greater things than these now the greater implies that it will be exponentially more it isn't that you're going to have a day where maybe you raised five people from the dead i did a greater but it's going to be the more idea that god has for you but in the last verse i mean last part of this verse it says because because i am going to the father uh, every week I've looked at this verse and, and, and kind of came back to that thought because I'm going to the Father and just kind of started pondering that. What's that mean? What's that mean? And I, I think that's what this is what it means is that kingdom re- heroes rely on God's power to do the miracle through me. It's not my power, it's, it's not my doing. It's, it's because I've been given authority, I've been given power, I, I have opportunity to do this thing called kingdom hero dumb, whatever we want to put on it. Because of what God has done and where Jesus sits. See, kingdom heroes have faith in the miracle working of power. It's this idea of trusting and expecting God to move because he's already paved the way. Because I go to the Father. Now, here's a couple of thoughts real quickly, and we'll, we'll jump into the, the heart of the message here today. Um, is because I go to the Father I actually meant a couple things, all right? One of them, it means because I go the Father, I now sit in the right hand of a place of authority next to God the Father, right? There's this idea that Jesus sits right to the right hand of the Father. It's a place of authority. But interesting, here's what Jesus is doing. He's interceding for your success. He's, he's there to listen to your cry to be a kingdom hero, and he's going, hey, you hear that one? That's the one. That, check this one out, Father. This is awesome. And he's, he's making a way for it. That's one. The other thing is, when Jesus stepped out of humanity and sat back down beside the Father in heaven, he actually said, it's good that I go because I'm going to send another, the Holy Spirit, that's going to empower your life to do exactly what I've been doing. I mean, all of that is in that one little phrase. I don't know about I get excited about that. You guys are like, you. yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I think that's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I appreciate this. So he is all-powerful, sovereign. His, his, he is unfolding his plan, and he wants us to be a part of it. All of that is in that verse. But today, I want to consider for a moment the kingdom hero example of Moses. 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 You know the old movie, right? Ten Commandments. Moses, He's he's this bigger-than-life character in the scriptures. I mean, there's there's a handful of people that you would say in Scripture are these big in the life. You know, David, you know, uh, Paul in the New Testament, um, Moses, I mean, Abraham. I mean, he's, he's in that category. He's there. But here's the interesting thing about Moses. His life clearly reveals a very important truth for us today, and that God delights in using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. But God likes to use people that don't necessarily have it all together together. <laughs> to do things that only he could do. I don't know about you, but that encourages me because then I'm thinking, okay, Lord, maybe you can still use me, right? And so he's he's that guy. Now, Moses is also the character that I most personally connect with. I mean, because, I mean, he struggled with his own identity. He was half adopted. I mean, he was, he was he struggled with his own ability. He struggled with insecurity. I mean, he struggled with his call by God. And at the same time, though, he was overwhelmed by God. I mean, it was this thing, he, he was intimate with God. He was available for God. He, was, he just struggled at times, but at the same time, he had this closeness. I get that. I, I get that. I, and so when I read the story of Moses, I, I kinda, I'm not saying I am Moses. I'm just saying I get his story. I, I, I can feel it. So he struggled with, to be the leader God called him to be. But through it all, check this out, he remained faithful. Through all of that, he remained faithful. But he wasn't perfect. I think some of us need to hear that today. God God will use you even though you're not perfect. But he wants you to be faithful. He wants you to be available. He wants you to be in partnership with him as as best you can. You know, that idea. Check out the verse. We're going to be in Hebrews uh, 3 and then Hebrews 11 today. So here's a verse. Hebrews 3, verse 5. It says, Moses was certainly faithful, certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths that God would reveal later. So this whole lifetime of Moses has this idea that he's pointing forward to something that is yet to come. In other words, the scriptures many times in the Old Testament have what is called shadows, And the shadows point to something that is yet to come. In other words, there's this idea that what he did was symbolically a shadow of what is yet to come or or setting it up for this, and that's what Moses was. Moses was a shadow pointing towards the fulfillment of something yet to come. But here's the interesting thing about this verse, which kind of wrecks my thought, but I'm really glad it's this way, is that Moses, he wasn't always that faithful, (laughs) In other words, he had moments where he kind of lost it. He had moments where he was outright disobedient before God. He just didn't do what God told him to do. I mean, maybe he thought he could do it himself or whatever. I mean, there was one he actually killed somebody. I mean, so you read this and go, "Wait a minute, how can he be certainly faithful. How is that? And I think the truth is, is that he constantly, even though he knew his own frailty and his own brokenness and his own imperfection, kept giving himself for the purpose of doing what God wanted to do, even though he didn't do it in that moment. (laughs) You guys hear what I'm saying? Okay. So Moses, here he is. He's spending his life laying the groundwork for others to experience the fruit. So today I I want to give us seven, real quickly, seven kingdom hero lessons from the life of Moses. Most of them are found in Hebrews 11, and then one of them we're going to go to the Old Testament story. So let's just jump in, all right? You ready? Okay, buckle up, we're going. All right, here we go. Kingdom heroes, so from the life of Moses, kingdom heroes work to fearlessly preserve a kingdom heritage, to preserve something. I think if you were to sum up Moses and and the story of Moses, there is this preservation and setup idea that is passionately and fearlessly being sought after Here's what it says in Hebrews eleven about Moses and his his start. It says it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was a son when he was when he was born they They saw that God had given them. An unusual child, and some of you might relate with that scripture right now, right? Some of you even looking at your children, it's awesome, yeah, yeah, the Lord has blessed you with an unusual child, you know, I had five of them, but yeah, and it goes on, it says, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command, and two thoughts real quickly jump out from this first verse, you know, this idea of preserving a heritage, But I think it's important that if you're going to preserve a heritage and being a kingdom hero, you've got to understand that you you can't be controlled by fear. You can't be controlled by fear. They said they weren't afraid. (laughs) Hey, come what may. (laughs) Hey, come what may, but we're committed here to preserve. We're, We're believing that God's got something bigger going on, and we're not afraid to actually take a chance and take a risk here to see it come through. There's, there's that part of it. They weren't caught up in what everybody else was doing, and they were living to a, what I would call a higher calling. Here's a here's second thought I think is in here, that as parents, hear me, hear me, parents, as parents, the greatest gift that we can give our kids is a kingdom hero example of living out faith that sets them up to live out their own. See, the greatest thing that you and I can give to those that are coming behind us is this kingdom hero idea to go after the same thing and not be afraid of risk and not be afraid to take a chance, not be afraid to stand out from everybody else. Don't be afraid because I want to give you something that's actually worth going for. That's what was happening in this first verse. Here's the second one. Kingdom heroes choose, choose to live by a different definition of success. To choose that. A different definition. <laughs> Hebrews eleven twenty four. 24, right? Here's the next verse. It says, it was by faith, you know, Moses, this kingdom hero, when he grew up. So he gets picked up, if you don't know the story, uh, Pharaoh's daughter finds him when he was, you know, older and hires the mom actually to come and be the, the nanny. And so there's this, in, there's this input, if you will, of mom's understanding and and that's happening but he's growing up in the palace right he's growing up he's going to be a prince he is a prince all that's happening and it says it was by faith that Moses when he grew up refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter now again I always read scripture and I think I don't know if I could do that man. I'm thinking dude it feels good to live in the palace right I don't know if I could get away from that idea. I don't know if I could do that, but kingdom heroes, they live by a different definition because something's uniquely more important. Here's here's what I think was happening. Moses was unwilling to go with the flow of the world's priorities and, and definitions. He was unwilling to accept the affluence and the materialism as the status quo. And sometimes the greatest kingdom hero characteristic is simply refusing to conform to the world's expectations and live by a different definition of success. Sometimes that's, that's the big step. It's the big step of saying, you know what? I know everybody else. That's how they define success. Not me. I'm living by a higher calling. I'm, I'm living by something that's greater than that definition. I begin to think, what is it? The success of the world's definition is things like money and fame and ability and my own stats. But success, check this out success in the kingdom is things like how many souls have I won and I'm bringing with me in eternity. Souls, are, <laughs> success in the kingdom is this idea of godly character. That's success. Things like holiness and righteousness, purity. That's success. Success is things like faithfulness, faithfulness, well done good and faithful servant, right? I mean, this idea of success, eternity with God is success, eternal impact for God is success. And Moses knew the greatest honor that he could ever experience in his life didn't come from living in the palace, but actually came with his association with God. You realize that that didn't matter. It wasn't in the palace, it was with him. So it's a different definition. Here's the third one. is that kingdom heroes recognize <clears throat> my less, my less is actually his more. My less is actually his more. Next verse, verse 25 says this. He chose, and again, he's choosing these things. He's, he's contemplating that. He chose to share The oppression of God's people to associate himself, to connect himself with God's people who were being pushed down and abused at that time. Instead of, check out what it says, enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. The fleeting pleasures of sin. What's that mean? Here's what it means. Is a life driven by pleasure and self-fulfillment? Is at best a temporary happiness? It's at best that. You you might have a moment. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that that sin's never fun. It actually says sin's fun for a moment. Then I have to pay for it. That's what what Scripture says. It it talks about this idea that it's fleeting, but then it ends up leading to something else. It, It eventually leads to a place of sorrow and separation and death. And Moses, he made a decision to actually live with less. He said, I'm deciding to choose less versus more. I, I, I choose that right now. I'm choosing that because I know that my less is his more. So he could have more with God, and instead of living with much, without God. Let me give you another scripture that maybe you're familiar with. It's, it says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? You may know the rest of it? Lose his soul. I mean, it's this, this idea that what does is, what is it gain for me to have much without God, really nothing, but the less is really where I need to go. So <clears throat> kingdom heroes realize not every one of my desires for pleasure or much or more results in fulfilling God's plan. And sometimes, here's the truth, when I choose less for myself, it's then that I step into the more of heaven. It's then that I actually get to the place where I can really begin to experience what it means to be a kingdom hero. It's then that that can come alive in me. Finally, because otherwise, I'm always clouded by it. I'm always overwhelmed by it. I'm always distracted by it. I'm always going in a hundred different directions and I never quite get to what God has for me because I'm always chasing after the more for me. And not understanding this, the less, <laughs> my less, is often his more. All right. Here's the, what, where are we at? Four? Help me count. Four. Thank you. Thank you. I, I realized last couple weeks when I did, like, anything beyond three, I lost count. So I just need help. All right? Um, so number seven. <laughs> you guys. So number four, right? Liz, help me out here. Help me out here. Okay. So kingdom heroes consider the weight of real treasure. consider the weight of it, the weight, the weight of real treasure. Notice what it says in our next verse, verse 26. He says, he thought, he considered, right, it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. Now, a couple of interesting things about this verse. One is is it's referencing Moses looking towards Jesus, right? That's, I mean, how, what? It what? How, wasn't he like hundreds and thousands of years before that? Yeah. But there was something in Moses that the faith that you and I have in Christ today was the same faith that he had in God that day that connected to this idea of God's provision, <laughs> of God's reality, of God doing exactly what he said. And so he's connecting to this idea by faith. All right, <clears throat> so it says, <clears throat> excuse me, he thought it was a better, he thought it was better, you know, and, and that's a picture. We're going to talk about that in just a second. I got a little illustration. You're probably thinking, man, did somebody not clean up here the other day or what? Right? Um, so kingdom heroes know where the real worth is and where it's found. Kingdom heroes know that. And the greatest value in life is not in the things of this world, but instead it's in the rewards of what is yet to come. See, it's very easy to get lost in the rewards of this world. But that's no reward at all. Matter of fact, it talks about in Scripture that if that's your choice, then once you got it, you had your reward. You got it. (laughs) You you got it. I mean, that's it, right? See, the pathway... The pathway of suffering may not be popular, but it's actually powerful before God. The pathway of choosing rightly his idea of what treasure is, is actually very powerful. It's Very powerful. That's what set Moses up, I think, to do the great thing. See, kingdom heroes always consider the future. They consider the moment we stand before God, and we have to give account for what we chose as being valuable. Ever thought about that? I mean, we, we, we choose that. We choose what it is. And really what happens is we have to weigh it out. That little phrase that says, though he thought it was better, it's actually, if you unpack that, it's a picture of a scale. It's a scale. Okay, that weighs this much, and this weighs this much. I'm going to pick the one that's heavier. I'm going to pick the one that's more valuable. So let, let's just do the, do the little thing here. Oh, wow. All right, so what do we got going here? we got. So, oh, this one's good. This is pretty heavy. My job, my career, right? You know, things are pretty balanced here. Ooh, ooh. Job is heavy. Heavy job. Heavy, heavy. Uh, appearance. Nobody would ever put any weight there, but just in case we did, I put it in the list. Right there. Appearance. Possessions. <laughs> hmm? Heavy, heavy possessions, uh, abilities, you know. It's kind of funny, we're using a book, so it's a book of my abilities, you know. It's like, here we go, here we go, here we go. All right, I got, oh yeah, yeah, this one here. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. My stats, (laughs) my accomplishments. I mean, come on, (laughs) Come on, I mean, you know, you know how much things I've done and how much I've earned and how, how far I've gone and how many places I've, been. I mean, all the, this is a book of my stats, and it's heavy. Whew. This is sheer money. My bank account's big. I mean, here. Right? Right? That's heavy, that's heavy. What do we got here? Oh, yeah. I'm so famous. <laughs> I mean, probably three, 400 people follow me. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Heavy, heavy. But here's what Moses was doing. He's like, okay, I'm considering all that, and there's some weight there, and it kind of tips the scale. But if I do that without any light of what's on the other side, which I need a, I need a God figure. Can I get a God figure? Here he comes. Welcome, God. So, so God comes along, and he looks at this situation, and I think what God would really say would be, "Really, <laughs> that's how you see this?" And so, God, in His weight, in His ability, in His timing, in His eternity, and everything that is God, He simply comes to something like this, and He does. Was that hard? Not at all. Just kind of hold on to that for a second. So, so the picture is is Moses. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yes. Somebody, somebody, get a picture of that. That's amazing, right? Yeah. yeah. Remember, you're God, not Adonis or anything like that. Okay. So, so the picture that Moses is having is like, hey, I've waited. And this is what I choose. I, I've waited. I know that there's something here. There's some value here, and there is something that's going on there. But in comparison, there is no comparison. It doesn't even come close. I mean, it's it's not even a moment or a, an inkling of God's ability to outweigh this. I mean, it doesn't even take a second. And so he sees that. So give it up for God. There you go. All right. Isn't it great when God shows up at a service? Yeah. Uh, Did you just say, oh, boy? (laughs) Oh, okay, so we're, we're at number five. All right, number five, real quick. Kingdom heroes focus on the applause of heaven. They focus on the applause of heaven, not any person. It's only one. I'm only doing this for an audience of one, and it's God. Here's what it says, verse 27. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt. He made a move, right? He made a kingdom hero move, uh, and he was not fearing, not fearing. There's that fear idea again. The king's anger, he kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who was invisible. See, kingdom heroes know who they're doing it for. I'm not doing it for anybody else, but I'm doing it for him. I'm only doing this for one person. And it doesn't matter what everybody else says, but I'm going to do it for him. I'm going to really pay attention to this idea that God is watching. And really what this means is it's forsaking any distraction, any opposition, that's not worthy of the attention compared to God. It's not worthy of it. And so everything I'm giving and everything I'm going is for the one. It's fearing the only one who is worthy of fear. It's living life knowing that God is watching and that someday I'm going to have to give account for how I balance the scales of my life. It's saying, Lord, I get that. And so I'm searching searching for the applause of heaven, nobody else. Here's the next one. As kingdom heroes understand, the greatest work. The greatest work. What's the greatest work? Going back to Jesus saying, hey, you're going to do greater works than I did, right? What's the greatest work? What's, what's this work idea? Here's what it says in verse 28. It says, It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost so that the, death, so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. So when they're getting ready to leave Egypt, there's this whole thing where God pronounces a a plague of death upon the firstborn. But he tells them, he says, you can escape this. You can be rescued from this. You can be purchased from this if you take an offering and put it over the doorpost of your life, blood that's symbolic of, you know, who else's blood, Jesus, the gospel. And so he says, he goes through all that kind of stuff. And here's what I think is the point is that there is a grand purpose. There is a grand purpose that dominates the thought and the focus and the intent of every kingdom hero. And that is simply this, the gospel. It's the good news. That's it. That's it. There is no other grand story. The grand story is the good news of Jesus, that he rescues, he redeems, he purchases, he washes, he cleanses, he makes new, he transforms. That's the good news. It's the gospel. And that's what kingdom heroes are all about. And so when Moses did that, he was symbolically laying that foundation. And for you and I, that's when it becomes real in our own lives. Here's, here's the next one. <clears throat> is, it, is this the last one? Thank you. <clears throat> Kingdom heroes live for the promise to be fulfilled in others. They live for it to be fulfilled in others. Now, here's, here's the story of Moses. Moses lived 120 years, right? Right? For 40 years, he lived in Egypt, not, not wanting to be part of the palace, but he was part of the palace until the day came when he killed some guy because he was getting treated wrongly. And You can go read the whole story in, in, in Genesis or Exodus. But this, this idea of him living in that part of his life was there 40 years. And then he escapes, he runs away, and for 40 years, he's on the backside of the desert, and he's really learning how to bow. That's what's happening. He's learning how to bow. And then God calls him to deliver the people that were in bondage in Egypt out of Egypt for 40 more years. 40 years, 40 years, 40 years. I mean, it's an incredible story. And and so his entire life was to build a platform for others to experience the blessing and the promise of God. All along, probably thinking, Lord, I'm going to experience it too. All along, Lord, it's got to be for me too. But see, along the way... (laughs) Again and again, he sacrifices himself as a vessel to God for him to flow through. He has these encounters, he sees miracles. I mean, God's doing crazy things. It's awesome in many ways. But there was a moment, though, when he lost his way, and it was really just a moment of rebellion and disobedience, and he struck a right, a rock that he was just supposed to command, and he missed it. God is very serious about holiness and purity. And he told Moses, you're not going to enter it. You're just setting it up. Here, check out Moses' character, though, because he remained faithful even after God had said, you're not going to enter the promised land. Maybe this is why certainly he was faithful. It says, one day the Lord said to Moses, climb one of the mountains east of the river and look out over the land I am giving the people of Israel. <laughs> In kind of a little weird kind of way, but not you. <laughs> I'm giving them this land. He goes, after you've seen it, (laughs) it gets worse, you will die like Aaron, your brother Aaron. You're not going to get it. Now, you think, here's here's what I would think right there in that moment, I I would probably say, you know, and it goes on, it says, For you rebelled against my instructions in the wilderness of sin. I would think right then Moses would say, This isn't fair, God. (laughs) This is not fair. I mean, I built the whole house. I I did the whole thing. I did the 40 years, the 40 years, the 40 years. And come on. Right? But there was something in Moses that made him a kingdom hero that I think counted him as certainly faithful. He says this. He says, then Moses said to the Lord. (laughs) He didn't say, Lord, this isn't fair. You robbed me. He didn't say anything like that. He said, oh, Lord. You are the God who gives breath to all creatures. You recognize who God was. This isn't my life, it's your life. This isn't my story, it's your story. He says, Please appoint a new man as a leader for the community. Put somebody else in here, Lord. Bring another, Lord. I want your promise to be fulfilled. Bring another, Lord. I I realize that 120 years, if you wanted 240 years, Lord, I would do it all again. Because I want to be a part of laying the foundation of the promise to be fulfilled for whatever God wants to do. It's not about me. Please appoint a new man. Give them someone who will guide them wherever they go and will lead them into battle so the community of the Lord will not be like a sheep without a shepherd. And there was a burden within the kingdom hero heart of Moses that said, I'm all about the promise and I'm not about me. So as I was studying, um, I came, I was looking through the whole story of Moses. And there was interesting things. There was interesting things about how much people brought to establish the the tabernacle that they moved around with them in the desert. That was huge. Huge. People gave sacrificially. But I came across this one little verse, and I think it's significant. It seems insignificant, but it jumped out at me. It just jumped out at me. It's in Numbers 8, verses 1 1 through 3. And it says this, the Lord said to Moses, and this is when they're getting all the tabernacle things ready, Right? They're getting everything ready. They're getting everything ready. And he said, Lord said to Moses, give Aaron the following instructions. When you set up the seven lamps in the lampstand, and this is in the inner part of the tabernacle, he said, place them so that their light shines forward in front of the lampstand. I'm like, hmm. So the light shines forward in front of the lampstand. So Aaron did this, and he set up the seven lamps so they reflected their light forward. Just as the Lord commanded Moses. And here's what the Lord was saying to me. Is we have an opportunity as a church to re- reflect the light that God has blessed us with forward. backwards, not right here on me, forward. See, when I start thinking about kingdom builders and what we're doing here today, I feel like we have an opportunity to set up a platform for a move of God, and it's reflecting something forward. Lord, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. To create kingdom opportunities for His presence to be known and experienced beyond the four walls of what's happening right here. Hear what I'm saying I think I think this is God today as I was praying for the scripture for the service I kept saying Lord call forth call out kingdom heroes call them up call them out send them forth make it happen in this place Lord it's not about an offering it's not about a mountain it's about a king and a kingdom and I want to be a part of it Lord let it be so in this place let it be sober. so Lord. so, want to I want to pray I'm going to come back uh maybe I don't know what I want to do I want to do something I want to do something um so kingdom builders offering so we've been talking about it for three weeks now four weeks now kingdom builders miracle offering above and beyond tithe above and beyond and really what I think happens today is we have a chance right in front of us to be kingdom heroes To impact, to have the impact of our lives, have the power to set up others for a blessing tomorrow. I think we have that opportunity. So it's not just an offering. It's actually setting somebody else up on a platform, whether it be in Tibet, whether it be a child having a meal, whether it be anti-sex trafficking, whether it be the things we do in December. I mean, all those different things. Let's let's, let's go big. Let's go big. And all I've asked you the last couple weeks is pray. Lord, what do you want me to do I want to read a scripture and then we're going to receive the offering and then we'll pray. uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says this, it says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. The idea right there is that God, you would bring us to a place of more, not less, meaning for him. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide. There's that decision. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. That's why I keep encouraging you pray. Because if you're even here today and you're visiting, you don't just let it go by. We're not putting pressure on anybody because we don't want to force anybody to do this because we want everybody to make a decision. This is what God wants me to do. It says, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. So God's got this. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over. Notice what you get the plenty left over for. To share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good needs will be remembered forever. There's that legacy idea. For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat. And in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take our gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from the ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, local church. God is happening here and other churches around here will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. And as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and, all to, the, and to all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. There's the gospel again. It's part of the story. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, as we get ready to give towards the kingdom and give towards kingdom builders in this miracle offering, Father, I pray that, Lord, you would, if you haven't already, drop a a number, drop an amount that is a God amount that comes from you in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, may we give because, God, there is a stirring within our souls to do so. Lord, you know exactly what needs to happen. And, Lord, I pray, for things like that Tibet tea house church that's starting. I pray for meals that are going to be created. I pray for for the encouragement that's going to happen next month as we bless people, God. I'm I'm praying for these things, Lord, for the anti-sex trafficking thing. Lord, let it be so, God. Do a miracle right now. Call forth kingdom heroes. In Jesus' name, amen.